You are now listening to On the Couch with Mary Jade. I invite you into my world of pleasure, power, and truth, where we discuss all things sexuality. Join me as I host leading experts and professionals who share their knowledge, trade secrets, and inspirations to feeling more empowered by what it is that we truly desire. Before we dive deep into these conversations, I want to remind you that the most intimate relationship is the one that you share with yourself. My guest today is a doula and childbirth educator, as well as a motherhood coach. She's the founder of Bup and Glow, which works in supporting families through every stages of pregnancy, birth, and the transition into parenting. Her expertise regarding sexuality and motherhood is from shared experiences, personal research, and her work with hundreds of families. Not to mention, she shares my passion for the world of female sexuality. Welcome to my couch, Megan Howarth. Hey, it's nice to be here. Thank you for that lovely intro. Yeah, I'm really excited that you're here because I think that this is a very important topic in terms of sexuality. And I just want to start for those who are not familiar with the concept of a doula. Maybe you can explain a little bit about what it is that a doula does. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about doulas. I've walked into many clients' homes and had their typically husbands greet me and go, wow, you're so normal looking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think that there has been this sort of, uh, you know, story told about doulas that were, you know, very, very crunchy, sort of hippie style people who are trying to kind of lure uh, women, you know, who are giving birth into, you know, home births in the bathtub Mm -hmm. and, you know, drinking herbs that, you know, we've... ripped out of an old book, you know, and and it's really a lot more mainstream at this point than that. Um, Really at at the base of what doulas do, we we just simply act as a non-medical support person for the team that a couple will put together for their birth. Yeah. So here specifically where we live and and really uh, anywhere in North America, there isn't a whole lot of support outside of, you know, just checking the heart rate and, and weight gain and all of that really the physical, aspects. physical stuff, yeah. you know, and a lot of people quickly realize when they go for their first appointments, like, oh, this doctor doesn't care about my hopes and dreams and feelings about this pregnancy at all. They just want to make sure that I don't develop gestational diabetes, yeah. you know, and, and so they leave these appointments going, okay, well, where am I going to get all the support and, and comfort and and who's the person who's going to be holding my hand and excited with me and making sure that I'm okay, you know, in all the other aspects of this experience, yeah. right? And that's where doulas come in. Yeah. As a doula, yes, you do support families through the entire process, but um, today we're going to start speak specifically with regards to sexuality. And so... Um, for me, I find that one of the biggest challenges with regards to um, sexuality and, you know, becoming a parent is really like the phase after childbirth. Um, that's where I struggled the most. Um, you know, there's an identity crisis that happens on all levels, but especially with sexuality, there is almost like a stigma that being a mother is not sexy in our culture especially. And so I think it um, takes some time to, you know, re-identify with that side of yourself. So what do you 
think is the main obstacle that women face after childbirth with regards to connecting through their sexuality? Uh, I think the main obstacle is, there's a few of them actually. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, the way we view ourselves is going to be different than the way our partners view us and also the way that everyone around us views us. So on one hand, there is the stigma that like moms are not sexy, but then how do you explain the whole MILF culture? Yeah. Right? Like people who use that term typically are not the partners of the new mom. Yeah. Right? For sure. Because this is someone who's looking at it from a distance and going, look at this person who is so maternal taking care of these children and her body is obviously ripe and fertile and now it's maybe feeding an offspring and like that is hot yeah from an outside perspective that is very sexy but we also have to see that from like our partner's view it is also very sexy to see that however when you're experiencing that it surely does not feel very sexy it doesn't feel sexy to have your body be taken over by all these weird bodily fluids. Yeah. It doesn't feel sexy to have people touching you all day long and needing you as the source of all food and comfort and everything, their lifeline, right? Yeah. And so I think that's where this whole crisis comes from because on one hand, we don't have the space to enjoy this new sexy version of ourselves because we're tapped out and tired and hormonal and and really we don't know this stranger that we now are we haven't gotten to know who they are yet right and so there's a huge period of transition in which i usually call it the fog where we're too tired we're too overwhelmed we're learning new things every single moment but yet we're expected to somehow put the all that aside and show up as this previous version of ourselves who was just like ready to have sex whenever because we had nothing else going on other than maybe you know job and friends um you know that doesn't work that we can't you know that bridge is too long in that particular moment and I think we have an obsession with figuring it out really really quickly Mm -hmm. when it takes a long time and I think if you become comfortable with the time that it takes it becomes less stressful. Yeah. The transition isn't as difficult. But I think we do have this idea that, like, you get six weeks. You get six weeks to figure it out. You get six yeah. weeks to... Of an excuse because the doctor hasn't given, like, <laughs> right. the green light yet. Yeah. Right? Like, that's such a common thing, you know. Um, and, and so you get six weeks to, you know, get your body figured out, um, get it back to the way it used to look before, get your baby to sleep through the night, figure out this whole new role. And then at six weeks, there is a cultural, like, agreement that you are now no longer a new mom. Yeah. You know? And, and that is crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. And I think um, it also has to do with the fact that we're not having these conversations. I think that, you know, we don't talk about, like, motherhood and sexuality and what happens after. And that's very disempowering, right? Like, you know, just from, like, a breastfeeding perspective, you know, mm-hmm. like, I remember, and not everyone breastfeeds, but, you know, I remember that, like, 
when my husband and I started having like, you know, sexual relationships afterwards, like the milk would come out, you right. know, and <laughs> right. like, and like, um, I wasn't really like, it's not even something I thought of, right. That like, oh, how does that interact with that aspect of my life? And I feel like, well, if we had had these conversations before about what to expect, um, what can happen, you know, how you can have these conversations with your partner as well, right. um, we would be more empowered and feel less confused and you know, insecure about the whole process. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I've heard that from a lot of people, <laughs> you know, like, oh, and then I'm squirting breast milk and yeah. then it, like that killed the mood. And yeah. it's like, that doesn't have to. Yeah. If you, it, it could be really funny, yeah. in fact. And like, some people might find it very sexy, yeah. but we are so scared of that postpartum body. We're scared of, you know, this poet Rupi Kaur. I don't know if you know her, but she she has a short poem that says something about how, you know, we hide the the milk and the blood of, of women's bodies, you know, as if it's something really bad, but when it actually is like part of how we live as a species this yeah. is why we're here you know but it, when you get your period you hide it you know you're shoving like tampons in your sock or whatever mm -hmm. in high school or, yeah. you know and then no one can know that you have your period and no one can know that milk you know comes out of your breast it's like wait what you know whereas men like not to be too graphic but they're just spraying their bodily fluids all over the place yeah. like it's you know something that they should be really proud of yeah. right and it's and it's super sexy we see yeah. it in porn all the time and it's like I mean, I'm sure there's porn out there with people spraying their breast milk around, but it's not, not There's everything, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like, yeah, if we could have more conversations, I think we would get a lot further. But the thing is, is that a lot of people don't talk about, first of all, like, women don't talk about it in their exactly of peers, like, yeah. with each other. They don't speak of it because we have, again, like, this whole idea that, like, everyone else is you know, better than we are or okay. And we're not, um, there's this whole taboo about the postpartum experience that like, you're just supposed to be over the moon excited about your baby and that's it. That's all you better be happy because you obviously wanted this. And even if you didn't, you should have. Yeah. And so here you are, enjoy every moment. Um, and you're like, well, I'm not enjoying it every moment. I don't feel okay. Uh, like, where is my sex drive? Where is my old self? But then you look around at other people's Instagram pictures and you're like, well, they didn't experience that. Yeah. Clearly, look how good they look and look how happy they look and look how clean their house is. And they're obviously fucking every night. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so if we don't talk about that with each other and we don't talk about that with our partners, like we're screwed. Yeah. 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 And when it comes to the relationship, I also noticed that... There, there might be more possibilities, but from my perspective, there are two reactions from the partner. Like the first, which is like you said, where it's like this really beautiful thing. Like I know that in my personal situation, I was like, I was shocked by how much my husband wanted to have sex. Like after <laughs> right. I had given birth, I was like, wait, what? Like I didn't expect that, you know? Um, and then there's other partners who will have a different reaction where, you know, they kind of see you now as this, you know, um, this being that they have to protect, you right. know, and, um, and they can't do dirty things too. Right. right? Like, like it's really hard Madonna to, whore exactly. complex, yeah. right. Where it's just like, wait a minute, like I can't bend you over. Like yeah. you're the mother of my children and that would be weird. Yeah. Right. Because I watch you 
be so loving all day long. And then there's the other side of that where it's like, oh my God, I watch you do this all day long. All I want to do is bend you over, right? And then it's like, well, what is that? What does that mom want? What does that new parent want? Like, do they want to be bent over backwards? Maybe not. Maybe they just want to go to bed, you know? And like, and there's, it just creates so many issues when we can't explain how we're feeling. Do you think like the way a partner will react has to do with like personality, culture, and you know, if it is one or the other, is this something that you can work through with uh, couples? Yeah, I, I, I feel from, from what I've heard from people, I feel like it's more of a personality thing. I think it's really like the dynamic in a relationship. I think it's also you know, what happened during the pregnancy has a lot to do with it. There are a lot of people who don't have sex at all during pregnancy Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. And so that sets the tone and the pace, right? So then when it's not like when the baby arrives, they're going to jump back into it because really like the longer a couple goes without sex, the more difficult it is for them to get back into it, unfortunately. And that's kind of what creates all these issues, right? So I think it has a lot to do with with the dynamic of the relationship. I think partners kind of underestimate how important their role is. A lot of times, you know, they get rejected a couple of times and then they sit back and they go, well, fine, you just tell me when you want it and I'll be here grumpy until that happens. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. That is bad. You're never going to get laid again. You know, she's never going to just come over and say, okay, I'm ready now. (laughs) Right. Because now you're just this sort of stranger to each other. Mm. And, and I think both parties feel like they were abandoned Mm -hmm. in a certain way yeah like you didn't meet my needs when Mm -hmm. I needed you to yeah you know and it's it's like I am in all the Facebook groups online and I see endless posts usually anonymous and there are women who feel as if their libido has disappeared it's gone I and everyone comments and goes you should get your hormone levels checked Mm -hmm. get your blood tests you know done and Sure, you can do that, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to come back normal. Mm. And then what? Yeah. Right. And then what do we do when it's not some sort of medical thing that we can just fix? Well, oh shit, it must be going on in our heads. Yeah. And what does that mean? Now what do I do? Do I have to see a sex therapist? You know, and and maybe you do, but for the most part, it's like, you just have to figure out like where that went because it's, it, I have seen, and I'm included in this many people whose whose relationships have fallen apart and sex being a big portion of mm-hmm. the reason for that. Um, and it's not that these women have no libido because they will leave that relationship and, you know, go and get bent over by yes. somebody else 24 hours later yeah. and love every moment of it. Yeah. So it's not the libido mm-hmm. that's gone. There's something going on in the actual relationship. Yeah. And it's not that they're not attracted or don't love this person anymore, but something happened. Yeah. And that's the huge mystery that everyone's yeah. like, there's an industry built on this. Yeah. How do we fix this? Yeah. You know, I, I, I recently heard a conversation where, um, they mentioned that, you know, sex in a relationship is an effort, right? And I think that we really dismiss that. We think that it's just supposed to come easy and naturally and we're supposed to walk into a room and see each other and just want to, you know, like go at it like bunnies. And like, it's not the case, you know? I've learned through my experience that I I do believe it takes a lot of conversation and, you know, transparency and being vulnerable with the other person of saying, you know, like, this is how I'm feeling or this is what I'm in the mood for and, you know... 
or for me like a big thing was really being like well you know when I'm not in the mood when I'm tired and whatever it is like I feel guilty for saying no right I feel like if I say no you're going to feel rejected and that's going to create a tension mm -hmm. so I think like that's a really big part of it is first of all like recognizing that it's work you know and also just being able to communicate with your partner like how you're feeling yeah I think people don't really realize like how different their life is and they just think we're going to toss a baby into this situation and it's going to be so fun it's going to be <laughs> us in this little you know like I, I always joke it's like a new purse that you're going to take out yeah. to brunch to show to your friends like no it's not but then we think, okay, well, we'll just fit the sex in around this new lifestyle. Like, we'll put the baby to bed, and then we're going to do it. And it's like, no, you're not. You're yeah. so tired at that time of the day, and all totally. you want to do is just, like, check out and sit on the couch and scroll on your phone and not be interrupted by a human being who yeah. needs something from you. And then up comes this, you know, guy who's like, hey, so remember we were, you know, and you're like, oh, no, you know, or you start to see those hints. And it's like, you shouldn't be dreading sex, you know, at any moment, because at the end of the day, like, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. And if it's not fun, well, we've sort of maybe forgotten what it feels like. I think for some people there is, it's kind of like working out exercise. I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, people will say like you, you put your running shoes like next to your bed with the stuff that you're going to wear to go on that run or to go to the gym or you schedule it in or you make it a priority and then you just have to get started. And then once you're there, once you're doing it, it, you, it feels better. And yeah. then afterwards, you're happy that you did it. Yeah. It's the same thing with sex. And I think we have to remind people of that, that like, yeah, it doesn't seem like a really fun thing to do because you're, you're tired. And, and but like, maybe if you just try. Yeah. You know, and you can always change your mind and go, you know what? No, like I gave it a try and I'm not into it. But like sometimes it very quickly becomes totally you know, cool and exciting to do yeah. that. Even though you were thinking, nah, there's like, I just want to eat my ice cream and watch yeah. my show, you know, because yeah. that feels good too. Right. And it's way less effort. I couldn't agree more. And I think that, um, as a culture, we tend to see sex as like a bonus, right? Like as like an extra reward or something like that. But I think it's a primal need, you know, and I think mm -hmm. that we need to see it that way. Like, I think we need to see it in our priorities of our wellness, you know, as much as like nutrition and like our physical health. And, you know, like some people meditate. Well, I think that like sex can be like the deepest form of meditation, you know, mm -hmm. so um or exercise or a hobby or, you know, like, yeah. what do you do for fun? Like, I don't know, like three or four times a week, I work out, quote unquote, yeah. in the bedroom. Like, yeah, I think, you know, we talk a lot about like all the ways to stay healthy and the things to eat and drink and vitamins and all of that stuff and getting, you know, sunshine and vitamin D. But I'm like, what about the other vitamin D or, you know, vitamin V, whatever you want to call yeah. it? Like, you know, I love that. <laughs> it's like you need that also. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I've read tons of studies about all the benefits to having sex. Yeah. And like, even if it's just for clear skin, I'm like, good for you. Go and do that because yeah. it's, it's super beneficial. And, and yeah, I think, you know, we have to get over this, this hump of thinking that like, <laughs> hump, 
but like thinking that okay we're gonna it's okay to have this period where I don't want sex anymore and then everybody else around you reaffirms that like yeah I didn't want it for like five years either or whatever yeah. length of time it is and then everybody's kind of normalizing normalizing something that in fact doesn't have to be you know normal yeah because normal and common are two different things right? So if something happens to a lot of people, it doesn't mean it's normal. It yeah. just means it's common. And then we have to figure out wh wh how to get to the root of that, how to yeah. figure out how to fix that. Um, you know, and I wish, you know, this conversation is great. And probably most of your listeners, I'm assuming are, are female, right? But yeah. the problem is that we need to be speaking to the men, like yeah. partners about like, how do I handle this postpartum woman yeah. who I don't understand anymore, who I can't reach, who I miss, and I want to connect with, how do I get there? And, and, and a lot of people have trouble communicating that, you know, they'll say things like, well, you know, if only he would like do the dishes, like he could do the dishes. You're still not going to want to have sex <laughs> that night. Yeah. Like that's, that's not how easy it is. Yeah. It's, it's a total, um, like misunderstanding of each other and, and there's resentment and there's rejection and all these things built up into it. And it's like, if only we could just gather all these partners in the room and just explain to them like how to reach someone who's postpartum. Yeah. You know, because sure. if we can't communicate our needs, you know, they're not going to read our minds. Yeah. That's the problem. Absolutely. They're just not. And I think like, you know, with the concept of the love languages, you know, that's becoming more and more um, mainstream. People mm -hmm. are becoming more familiar with the idea. Um, I think we need to come up with like sex languages, right? <laughs> like people need to understand that even in sex, we have like silos and ways that we want to be approached. Whereas like with love, I feel like that might be a little bit more static, but with sex, it's like very fluid. So you right. can really depend on your mood and, you know, sometimes it can even have to do with like your cycle and things like that. So I think we need to be more familiar with like the different ways we can approach sex. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, mentioning like the menstrual cycle is so important and interesting because, um, you know, for people who aren't on birth control, typically they have a, a good understanding of their cycle. Like I was just talking with a friend about, you know, tracking cycles and in terms of fertility, trying to get pregnant or trying not to get pregnant and how important it is to kind of understand that. And I was, you know, explaining my sort of triggers and understandings about myself, how I've got like, you know, PMS symptoms that I've learned to recognize, but also like what I call with my boyfriend, horny kitten week, which is just like, where <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Meow, you yeah. know, like get ready, um, yeah. like avoid me or, or don't, whatever you want. But it's, it's inevitable. There's yeah. certain times of the month where like my libido is either extremely high or my drive is extremely low. Yeah. And the problem with the new parents thing is that that cycle is disrupted mm -hmm. after giving birth. Yeah. So we don't have that same flow um, for, you know, people who might be breastfeeding or for people whose like cycles haven't returned. Mm -hmm. There isn't that same hormonal shift every month. Right. So there is this like sort of more, I don't even know what to call it. Like it's just this sort of like dull, like baseline, just straight line of, yeah. You know, maybe I want it, maybe I don't. And it can kind of fluctuate all over the place. There isn't maybe necessarily a way to really track it or understand it. Yeah. And that can be really confusing. I think people are not really sure what they're supposed to be expecting, you know, yeah. after giving birth. I know some people I've spoken to have said like, oh, I never felt 
sexier or, or hornier or more in touch with myself, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. I would say most people would say I've never felt more foreign or, or alien to my own body yeah. as I did after having a baby, yeah. you know? And then there's obviously all the changes in the body that happen and then our kind of I don't want to say obsession with the sort of the getting the body back, but like the return to how I used to look Yeah, because that's comfortable and familiar to me. And I know how that body acted and I know what it wanted. And I, and I had a certain familiarity with that, but now this is weird. Who am I? Yeah. Right. And, and there is like, I have a friend and, and she, she works here in Montreal, um, Amanda Luderman, who's a, a sex therapist. And she talks a lot about, you know, what she calls erotic empathy which is in my understanding, like seeing yourself and your partner, like from the other perspective. So understanding that like you might feel uncomfortable in your body and not great and not perfect, you know, like my breasts are different or my tummy is not the same, or maybe you're feeling like, oh, like maybe I look different or feel different inside. Like, you know, your partner has a different perspective yeah. that you have to understand. And it's okay for you to feel the way you feel, but you have to understand like they could totally still think of you as the most fuckable thing that they have ever seen. Yeah. You know, and you're like, Oh, but I, maybe I need to shower. And it's like, they might look at you and go, you don't need to shower. Yeah. You just need to get in the bedroom. Yeah. And it might serve us really well to go, okay. <laughs> and to listen to that and say, okay, for one second, I'm going to see myself the way they see me instead of the way I see myself, because mm -hmm. I don't see myself very kindly. Like we yeah. are very negative about ourselves a lot of the time. And so if you're looking for someone to be really positive about you, maybe you should listen to the person who loves you, yeah. you know, and wants you and, and say, okay, or if you have to fine, go and shower quickly, but then jump your little butt into the bedroom yeah. and see what happens yeah. because that person might help you feel a whole lot better about the things for that are sure. going on versus you being like, no, don't touch me. I don't yeah. feel comfortable, you know, and, and, and you might feel like this is the last thing I want right now is somebody seeing me or touching me when I don't feel like I'm at my best but like we have to let go of that a little bit in yeah. order to to transition during that period because it doesn't it, why are we doing that why are we blocking off the person who who wants to be with us yeah you know because we're not feeling the greatest for sure and I think of course desirability is a huge like part of the equation but also like you said there's the whole body image um aspect and of course after childbirth there's there's two things there's first of all looking at yourself nude is mm -hmm. a whole mm -hmm. different yeah. <laughs> experience <laughs> yeah. and also there's the experience of you know if you've had a vaginal birth what does it look like down there i think that mm -hmm. for a lot of women myself included um it took a really long time before i even had the courage right. to look at what and some women never uh, never even do and just right. like in terms of like your sexual encounters you're like oh well how's it gonna feel for him like is he still going to like that area of myself so how do you walk women through this process? I think if we just normalize the fact, you know, and I teach prenatal classes and I try to tell people this because I do have both of them in the same place at the same time. I've got both partners there. Yeah. And so that's really important because then I get to speak directly to that and to say like, this is not going to like ruin your sex life. You're not <laughs> going to like look at her vulva or vagina or whatever you want to call that area and be like, Oh God, you know, because 
And if you do, you're extremely immature and probably shouldn't have a child at that yeah. point. I mean, you really need to think about, you know, that reaction. But I explained to people like I've had two children. They were both ginormous babies. <laughs> okay. I am fully like great down there. Compliments all around. <laughs> like yeah. I feel great. Partners feel great. Like it's, it's not going to be the end of the pussy, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I yeah. think when people hear that directly from a real person mm-hmm. who they've also, you know, hired to tell them, you know, advice and that they trust, like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. It, you know, once you heal and recover, you're not going to look like some mangled, like a truck yeah. has driven over you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's not roadkill. Yeah. It is a sex organ, right? And a penis stretches and shrinks all the friggin' time. Yeah. And we don't question it becoming some saggy old shriveled up, you know, cucumber. Like, so does a vagina. It's yeah. gonna, it's meant to stretch and it's meant to recover. And the tissues are, it's like getting a cut inside your mouth, you know, yeah. like they heal pretty quickly if you just leave it alone for a little while. For sure. You know, and so I think if we sort of normalize and start to like really move away from that whole, I don't know where this comes from, this idea that like, oh, you give birth to a baby and now you're ruined. You're destroyed. You're no longer valuable in terms of a a sexual partner because something happened for a couple of hours (laughs) inside your body and and that has ruined you now for life. It's like, give me a break. Seriously, give me a break. You know, and I explain to people like, yes, you might need to use lube. Like you might be drier. Hormones might, you know, dry you up, but that could be fun. You know, I always say like invest in lubricant, (laughs) like not in the stocks, just in a big bottle of it. And like use that and, and understand that, you know, you can have different types of sex. And I think that's really, really important to when you, when we talk about the whole like new mom thing is that, you know, pre baby, there is a little bit more ease in the way that sex can start with a couple, because like I said, you don't have those things happening in the background. You don't have those babies that are waking up. You don't have, you're not totally touched out. When it comes to like postpartum, we cannot just be poked at by a human being and told like, I need this thing, you know, because you're like, well, I've just spent the whole day with somebody poking at me, telling me they need this thing. You're going to have to try a different approach. Yes. And so we place a lot of the blame on ourselves, typically like in a heterosexual relationship, like as women, like I should be more horny. I should want this more. I should be more receptive to this person. But instead I would say, I think our partners need to be a little bit more creative in the type of sex that they are trying to present to us. Yeah. Right. Like I think they need to be a little bit more uh, enticing with their offers maybe about how this is going to go. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe some people are not having sex that is super amazing and groundbreaking and wonderful. Like, you know, and maybe that was fun before, but maybe now we're looking for something that's a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also comes down to like, the dependence, right? Like, so with a child, the child becomes very dependent of their mother and that's normal, right? That's, but then we become very sensitive to our partner being dependent on Mm -hmm. us, providing pleasure and providing these things that we may have provided earlier before having a child, because, you know, I think that is part of how a relationship, you know, can start, especially in a heterosexual relationship. Right. But afterwards we're like, whoa, whoa, like, I have this child who's super dependent on me and I can't do anything about it. Like, I don't need you to start. And so it has to shift and kind of become more of like a mutual, like pleasure 
um, situation. Right. Yeah. I think if, if somebody said to, uh, you know, postpartum woman, let's say in the first few months after giving birth, when it's really starting to be like, okay, we've waited and now, you know, it's time to get back on the horse, you know, if they said, come to the bedroom, you don't have to do anything. I just want to like, please you. I just want you to lie there. I just want to rub you <laughs> yeah. down. I just want to like yeah. take care of your pleasure only. Don't mm. even think about me. You wouldn't maybe have to try so hard yeah. to get like, if, if that person really felt like if that woman was like, okay, I trust that that's actually what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would probably say, yeah, yeah. that sounds great. I would love to just lie there and yeah. do nothing yeah. and you please me and yeah. rub me and, and whatever. And Probably that could, if you wanted it to, lead to sex for, you know, both parties. Yeah. But if it doesn't, like, I think you would probably see, you know, a lot more women, you know, wanting to get it on more often if they felt like, okay, the pressure is off. I don't have to be super active. I don't have to jump on top. And, and you know, like, I'm tired, yeah, you know? Yeah, like removing the expectations. Yeah, exactly. It. Of yeah. like, oh, this has to be like the yeah, way it used to exactly. be. You know, if it's just like, okay, let's, let's try something different. Yeah. Or maybe we don't even like have penetrative sex, you know, which is something that really scares a lot of people after giving birth. They're like, I don't want anything inside me because we have a lot of different experiences with, you know, traumatic births, whether it's physically or or emotionally. And we're like, I just don't want anything happening in there right now, you know? And it's like, I have to remind people sometimes like, there's a lot of other options, guys. There's yeah. so many other things yeah. you could do. Like, I don't know if you know if you need to like flip through a, like a, a magazine or Kama Sutra or like watch some porn, but like you don't have to put the penis in the vagina yeah. every single time, yeah. you know, and to call it sex. I think that's a, like a really old school, immature kind of way to think about it, you know? So when people are like, oh, we're not doing it, like, can you do everything else? <laughs> yeah. Maybe? And exactly. that could be fun too, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so let's shift a little bit to the uh, conversation around pregnancy and sex, because that's Mm. also, it might not be as heavy as the postpartum part, but there is a lot of um, fear around, you know, having sex during pregnancies. Um, I know that for me, like with my first specifically, the third trimester, like, I was like, I don't want to be touched, you know, mm, like, yeah. um, because, you know, I didn't connect with my body. Like it was the first time that I was going through this mm-hmm. and, you know, the whole, like feeling this way was very foreign to me. And so, um, that was difficult, but I mean, with the second and the third, I think it got, it was a little bit better. Um, so how do you walk, um, women through, this part of um, their sexuality. It's hard because everybody comes to pregnancy with a different experience of their body and their body image, right? So for some people, uh, their body growing and changing during pregnancy is not a good experience Mm -hmm. for them. It freaks them out. You know, people with maybe like histories of eating disorders or body image issues, they don't want to see their body getting bigger and growing and gaining weight. Like that is a scary thing for a lot of people. Um, And then on the other side of things, some people are so excited about, ooh, they finally have bigger breasts, you know, for the first time in their life. And that's super exciting, right? And their partners is all over it. and And they're both happy about that, you know? And then like for myself, I've always had like, you know, pot belly. And, and so when I was pregnant, I was like, this is great. There's like actually something in here now. So it's like nice and round for a reason. And I think, you know, being conscious of that, first of all, is important. Um, I think just like basic, you know, reassurance to people like 
you're not going to hurt your baby, number one. Yeah, I know. I think that's the biggest misconception with regards to pregnancy. Yeah, like, you know, men, you know, and their penises thinking that they're going to be like bonking into the top of somebody's head. Like, no, the baby is not going to know what's going on. There's a whole lot of stuff in the way before you get to that point. So not to stress about that. And I think just to kind of be you know, it's like, it's like if you get injured or something and you're like, okay, well I broke my leg. We're gonna have to like modify this, you know, a little bit in terms of positions and how this goes and, and maybe how intense it is and, and things like that. And to know like, okay, this is going to change throughout some people, their pregnancy, like the hormones are off the charts in terms of how horny they are yeah. and how much they want it. Um, and then they might be matched up with a partner who's like, I feel very weird about this whole thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so like that could be something that doesn't work out. Right. Or it could be the opposite where the partner's like, this is the most beautiful, sexy thing I have ever seen is watching you grow and change and your body being so ripe. And then, and then the woman is like, eh, yeah. this is not How I working feel. for me yeah. at all, right? So I think, again, it always falls back to communication and like, how can we work this out? Like, you think I'm super sexy. I don't think I am. How are we going to meet in the middle somewhere here, right? So, you know, I don't necessarily talk too much during pregnancy with people about this, but they'll talk about it with me in terms of like, oh, well, we, you know, if we if we're talking, let's say about, you know, maybe the end of pregnancy and like, you know, a lot of people ask me like, how do I naturally stimulate labor? You know, and and I I have to explain like, well, you know, sex or even just orgasms, you know, is going to be helpful for that, right? Because we've got like all the oxytocin and the hormones flowing in the body and uterine contractions. I explained to them like, that's part of an orgasm, right? And that's also part of a contraction. So that's really cool and exciting. Um, You know, and then obviously we have like sperm contains prostaglandins that soften the cervix for labor, you know, and and some couples are like looking at each other all cheeky, like, yay, you know, and other couples like just look so scared and nervous that I've just put this big thing on in, you know, on their plate because they're like, we don't want to have to do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you don't have to have sex. That's just something I'm throwing out there. You can also go on a walk. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's not a big deal. But I think, you know, explaining to people like this could be a time where you get to really kind of connect on a different level. Yeah. You know, and that sure. and that can be really exciting and fun. And I think, you know, we don't really talk enough with people about like how changes are going to unfold and how to react to that. You know, it's really, really difficult for a lot of people. I kind of explain it like it's like having a new job. You know, when you yeah. get there, you're super nervous at the beginning and you don't know what to do. And we as adults hate not knowing what to do. Yeah. Right. Kids are much better at learning new things and being open minded about trying it and seeing how it goes. And, you know, adults absolutely hate it for some reason it makes us feel insecure you know we're uncomfortable and we expect these instant results and that's the problem you know we expect that we're going to just know right away how to figure something out or how to you know um you know take on the changes that are coming and and if we don't figure it out in the first five minutes we're like "Ah, just i'll ignore it then yeah because that makes me feel uncomfortable yeah absolutely i think there's so much fear around the whole process starting from pregnancy and then you know after into postpartum and we don't acknowledge the fear we don't you know talk about it we just keep to ourselves and just try to find a way to get rid of it. Whereas like, I feel like we should, you know, be more open about uh, admitting how we're feeling and just Mm -hmm. understanding that it's a phase, (laughs) you know, that um, we will get past it, hopefully. Um, I think that's a big part of, you know, moving forward. 
I think it's easier for some people to ignore the issue and instead of focusing on each other, the relationship, what a lot of people do, and this doesn't help, the sex life is they pour all the energy into the baby. Yeah. They pour all of the, like, any, th- any time, any money, any energy, any, you know, interests or, or plans are all funneled into the baby. And then they wonder, like, why do we not have this chemistry anymore? Why do we not find each other interesting and exciting? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because you both look like crap. You both are overworked and tired. You both have no time for yourselves or each other. But like, look at this beautiful baby with all their beautiful accessories and their activities and all of the plans that you've made for their future. And you're just boom, everything's into the baby. And then um, you probably know Esther Perel, who's like, you know, she, she talks a lot about this, about why, you know, marriages and their sex lives tend to crumble. And and this is one of the main reasons is all of the energy, including like, even, and it sounds kind of weird, but like the sexual energy that is normally present in a relationship is funneled into this child. So Mm -hmm. they're like this, like, you know, shimmering, glittering star of the show. Well, yeah, of course you don't have the hots for each other anymore. You have the hots for the mom and baby music class. Like, you know, that's your plan on Saturday morning and why you won't want to stay up late on Friday night to have a couple of glasses of wine, you know, because people are busy and they they kind of forget to prioritize. And they they think that like a date night for with a movie in a restaurant is going to solve things. Yeah. And it's like, no, because when you go out on a date, you're talking about the food or you're talking about the movie that you saw you're not talking with each other or connecting with each other. There's yeah. nothing that has anything to do with the relationship there. Yeah. People are constantly distracting themselves with other things when it's like, I think you just need to sit down on the couch and talk about each other Yeah, and absolutely. reconnect. Like that's where the, it's going to come from. That's where the energy comes from. Think back. What, how did we have the hots for each other, you know, before all of this, yeah. when things were really good, how did we connect? Well, we didn't just go and stare at a movie and then talk about dessert. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think sex is so much more than just foreplay and penetration, right? Like it's about a connection, a deeper connection. And that doesn't just like restrain itself to the actual act. It's everything around it, right? right? It's connecting to your partner and also connecting to yourself, right? So it's not just about reconnecting with your partner on a sexual level, but reconnecting with yourself on a sexual level. And, mm-hmm. you know, if so... Maybe some women uh, are afraid of, you know, what penetration will feel like after childbirth, but maybe they can also start with just pleasuring themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's, you know, it's funny. I I, I did this talk in a park a long time ago. Um, someone invited me as part of this sort of like mom's group, come and do this like sex after baby talk. And I was like, oh, hell yes. I'm yeah. so excited, right? <laughs> I made all these notes. I had all these things I was going to say. And I felt like I was staring at a bunch of like shell shocked, like, uh, you know, like army vets who were just like, you wait, you want us to do what? You know, I'm telling them like, you've got to masturbate and you've got to like understand what makes you feel sexy and you've got it, you know, and they were just kind of like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't, that, that feels weird. And I was like looking around kind of like, wait a minute, is nobody here like regularly masturbating? Like, and that is another weird taboo that specifically we have about women. Like men can jerk off 
all the time. Yeah. We know that they do it and, and we accept it and, oh, they just have to because they're, you know, so revved up sexually. But women, no, why would we touch ourselves? That yeah. just means that we're not being pleasured by someone else, right? Enough or often or yes. whatever, right? And so I kind of explained to people like, well, hold on a second. Like if you don't have the ability to just kind of touch yourself and get back in touch with like, what, it, what does it feel like for your body now? Right. Don't be scared. If you're scared of your own body alone in a room, then you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and, and the work is going to be done with yourself. It's not going to be done with, with the other person, you know, for you're sure. not going to be present with them necessarily when the whole time you're thinking like, I don't know how to, how this body is going to react or feel, Yeah, you know, removing the taboo of like, first of all, women masturbating, but also people in relationships masturbating. Yeah. Like, I think it's very funny when people are like, I don't. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, <laughs> is it cause you really don't want to, or is it cause you think it says something about your relationship? Like which one is it? Yeah. You know, cause if it's the latter, I think there's something there that we need to figure out, yeah. you know? So yeah, I mean, you know, like, when I want to get, you know, myself kind of like feeling, you know, energized or, or sexy or whatever, like for me, it's like putting on music and like making sure I feel like I look good, yeah. you know, like God, like showering and putting on some nice cream, like to go a long way. Yeah. But if people are like, oh, I've just been wearing yoga pants because, you know, I can't fit into anything else. It's like, well, maybe you need to buy yourself something new that makes you feel good so that you're walking around like feeling yourself, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, we got to get some like Beyonce vibes yeah. happening in here, totally. because, you know, because like, no, you can't walk around looking and feeling like shit and then expect that you're going to want to be wanted or be wanted. Yeah. The whole thing is Absolutely. just falling apart. And it's not like a zero to 100 kind of situation, mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, you're not going from like, you know, your yoga pants and not doing your hair and barely taking a shower to all of a sudden, like just coming <laughs> yeah. out like a like Victoria's supermodel, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're going to have have to like start with you know small steps you know and just figuring out what is your priority you know in that regard and you know just understanding that like it's a journey to you know right. not even getting back to who you were before because I don't know if that's even realistic it's, it's a journey <laughs> to discovering who you are now you know yeah. after all of this yeah and it and it takes time like I said, you know, the six week mark is laughable in my mind. Like I remember being at a midwife appointment and, and she was like, so, you know, you have, you guys have like had sex. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, is this a real question? You know? And like my husband at the time kind of looking at me like expectantly, like, yeah, time. And I was like, I have like so many other things that I need to figure out before I even think about that. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and that was my experience, whereas yeah. some other people, it might be sooner, but I think, you know, putting that out there and saying like, it is really normal for like the first couple of months to just be about surviving this new period in your life and sex, not having to be the focus, but then understanding that like, you have to go and, and find it again. Yeah. So my last question is, do you agree that once parents um, cross this bridge, I'll say, um, that it can actually be a gateway into the best sex of their life? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely think so. Because it is the missing link for a lot of people to have a really great relationship with the person that they're having a family with. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot that comes from 
the, you know, I don't want to say maturity, but like the transition yeah. and changes that mm -hmm. come from parenting with somebody and being able to, you know, really feel like, wow, look at us. Like we have figured this out like that, you know, and you, and you get older and bodies change and it actually can be really, really fun and exciting and different than the like pre baby sex that most people are having. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, people get like cr more creative with the places they do it or how long it will take them or, you know, all of that kind of thing. And I think it can be a whole different world if you can get there. Yeah. And that's the thing. If we're talking about getting there or calling it a bridge, mm -hmm. it's not going to be just you know, a little stroll. It's going to yeah. be work. It's going to be a journey together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you, what is the best way that they yeah. can do that? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram uh, in various places, but bump and glow. So bumpandglow.ca is my website um, where we offer birth support, postpartum support, and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for moms who are trying to figure out what's happened to their lives. Um, sometimes it starts with, you know, just some postpartum visits at the beginning after having a baby. Um, but yeah, that's where they can find me. Great. Thank you so much for being on my couch today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It's been awesome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of On the Couch with Mary Jade. This journey is about you and me together, so make sure you share your questions, your thoughts, and your interests. You can do that either on my website, maryjade.com, or by connecting with me on Instagram at On the Couch with MJ. You can also connect with me on my personal page at The Mary Jade. If you want to continue to uncover all things sexuality with me, then hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. I really would love to hear your feedback. So if you can take a moment to rate and review this episode, I would really appreciate it. And lastly, if you love what you heard, then make sure you share it with a friend. Thank you. And until next time on the couch with Mary Jade.